I'm almost fearful just to wake up every morning at this point because I don't know what Brown's injury is coming down the pike next. Like you wake up in the morning, you think, okay, the worst is behind us. There's no way we're, that we could. There's no way that it can get any worse. There's no more injuries that could possibly happen to this team. Like we've reached our limit, right? The football gods, they've gotten all their sacrificial lambs at this point. It's it's all fine and good. It's, it's all out of the way now. We're, we can wipe our hands clean and just kind of keep it moving, right? We're good. And then you wake up the next day, and it's like Groundhog's Day. And I'm Bill Murray, and I'm reliving the same nightmare every single every single day. Day comes and goes. More pl- more Browns players end up on the IR. I just don't know when it's going to end. I have no idea, but it's exhausting. Like, listen, as a fan base, as a city, as those of us in the media who talk about this team and cover this team and all that, as we reflect on the last 20 years of Browns football, there is, there's been some, there's been some bad years. We know this, right? Like we know there's, there's been some lows. We've seen the highest, we've seen the lowest of lows is what I'm trying to get at. 0-16 season, 1-15 season, all those different things. I mean, we, we, we've been through some, you know what, we've been through some bleep together following this franchise. This season feels like it might be the absolute most exhausting. Like, I'm not even kidding. Just to be where we, to be where this team's at, eight and five, and they're somehow, some way staying afloat. They're somehow, some way in the playoff picture, but... Every day there's a new injury and you're worried about, is this the one that's going to derail the season? Is this the one that finally finally puts you over? Now you feel good about the idea of, well, Miles Garrett's still out there, but we know he's maybe playing banged up with the shoulder injury. You know that, I guess on some level, you're happy that Joe Flacco's kind of settled in on the offensive side of things. And you feel good about him being out there. And as long as he's healthy and he tends to get rid of the ball pretty quickly and avoid hits. So that's obviously good bodes well for him not getting hurt down the stretch of the season here. Knock on wood. Um, But yeah, I mean, you're, you're just kind of banking on the key players that remain and, and praying and putting it on your Christmas list as a last minute gift idea. Just please get us to the playoffs relatively healthy and the reason it feels exhausting even more so is just because you don't know, first of all, you don't know who's coming next. You don't know who the next injury is going to be. And it feels like there's one a day at this point. And then on top of that, you just don't know, like all the expectations we had for this season, it just feels like with every single injury, you're inching closer to realizing what this team's fate is going to be. And it sucks the air right out of everything. There's like every time you want to be excited about this team and, and I'm not saying you can't still be excited and you shouldn't still be excited. I'm still trying to enjoy what's left of the season and what they've accomplished. And the fact that they're eight and five, the fact that they're likely going to be in a playoff game, we're going to get to talk about that for the first time in a couple of years here. And only the second time in decades, like, of course that's all very exciting stuff, but to be at the point we're at, 
it it's it's just sucked a lot of the fun out of it because it, like the the point of an NFL season is you're able to sit there and as your team has success think about man where could this team go and we just had that conversation last night i posed the question to you guys like should the expectations be high what we even realized with joe flacco settling into the offense and doing some nice things and that side of the ball really starting to kind of move and click and and orchestrate nice scoring drives and put up some points should we feel good about where this team could actually go, even come playoff time? And then one day later, you're talking about more injured players. And you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, and, and I'm not saying, like, that's not... It's, it, it's an exhausting mentality to have. It's one that you guys, as Browns fans, have had to live with for a long, long time. Because it just never seems to go right for this organization. And this is just... It, it just feels like the latest... I guess, uh, notch in the belt of realizing this franchise just seems to always have something happen. Always. Even the years they're finally good, something goes wrong. Something just doesn't work. I, it's a bummer. Because you look around at the, in, at, the, at the IR list and the injured reserve list and who's on it and who's been gone for the season and it just... It just makes you, you you feel pain inside knowing that this team could be going places if they even had just, I don't know, a Nick Chubb back out there. They could be going places if they still had maybe Deshaun Watson out there or if Grant Delpit wasn't now on the IR for the rest of the season. Kevin Stefanski shared the latest injury news today. We'll give it to you here. Here's what he had to say. I don't have final confirmation on Oboe just yet. Obviously, it might be heading that way, which uh, but I'll hold out hope. Mo had surgery. Grant had surgery. I, f- I feel badly for those guys. Uh, they're a big part of, of who we are. They certainly have been a big part of our success to date. But next man up. If I have to hear the phrase next man up one more time, I might jump through the glass here at the other side of the studio down to the Halley building floor. Like it, it, I get that it's the... It's the buzz phrase of the season, and it's truly a it is truly the way that this team has played all year because they've had to. I mean, they've had to try to survive these injuries and just find a way, and they have, and that and, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to downplay the notion that they haven't lived and breathed that phrase all season long, but I'm just sick of hearing it. I don't want to have to talk about next man up. I want to talk about the man that's out there on the field right now, the starters, the, the the everyday players. I want to see those people play. And I just don't know, like, yes, this is an abnormal thing. Some of it's very fluky. I mean, what are you going to do about the glenoid fracture for, for Deshaun Watson? Not use him as a runner anymore? I guess you could, but that's part of his game. You, you can't take that away. What are you going to do about the ACL tears or the Achilles tears or – any of these other things that kind of happen, like these are just kind of fluke things and you just deal with them as they come, like the Nick Chubb knee injury. What are you going to do about that? I, I know we liked having conversation about, well, the Steelers are dirty and Minka Fitzpatrick is dirty and whatever. I, I can't go there. It, it, it was a hit in the game. Other guys, I think, kind of came to the defense and said, yeah, we don't like that they're going low, but I don't think it was intentional by Minka Fitzpatrick to do that to Nick Chubb's leg. It, it's just, it's it's how the, the, the cards are dealt, but how can... This many injuries pile up on this team in one season. And it also makes me wonder, too, like, the NFL has conversations every year 
about expanding the season. They want to go to 18 games next. And then after they get to 18 games, I'm sure they'll find a reason to go to 20 games. They'll just keep moving the goalposts of how many games they want to play because it means more money for them and all these different things. And meanwhile, the Browns are sitting there having played or having dealt with a, a an early season bye, playing 13 games in a row. They're about to play three games in 12 days now coming up to sort of end the season. Like, they're going to be exhausted. It's no wonder so many guys are getting hurt. It's no wonder we're talking about, what, 60 different quarterbacks playing or starting a game this season for different teams. They can't even keep their most important position healthy. Nobody wants to see these matchups where it's it's Nick Mullins against Jameis Winston. Like, like nobody cares about these matchups between backup quarterbacks. It's just, like, like when does it end? When does the NFL realize that they can't just keep adding games and it's, it's it, like, th- there's a tipping point, right? There has to be a tipping point. We are living it this year that there's a tipping point. That it's just going to be injury after injury after injury and you're just waiting to find out which one is going to truly cost them this season and have things not go the way that we're expecting it to go the rest of the way. But I like like I when is the NFL t- when is the tipping point across the league though that the NFL realizes like well this is too many games now because we're putting people at risk and then when we get to the playoffs we're we're getting matchups between Josh Dobbs and I, I realized I just tapped the uh, the Vikings well twice in a row here so that's my bad I'm having trouble coming up with backup Desmond Ritter versus uh, I don't even know the Falcons actually were leading that division last I knew Kyle Trask for the Buccaneers. Versus P.J. Walker or something ridiculous. Or Mitch Trubisky versus Jake Browning. Like, what are these matchups that we're getting at the supposed most important position in sports? Like, it's absurd, man. It's absurd. I don't have an explanation for it. I, I don't know how we get it to stop. If anybody knows any good voodoo magic that we can sacrifice something I don't. I prefer not to have to sacrifice another human being. I don't want to subscribe to that here on the radio airwaves. But if we have to sacrifice something, fine. To get all these injuries to stop, it might just damn well be worth it. When will it end? I have no idea. But I will tell you this. We are going to talk Cavaliers tonight. We did last night as well. But there's been some commentary on the situation from last night with J.B. Bickerstaff and and whatnot. And I got to be honest. A lot of the conversation around J.B. Bickerstaff and why people are ready to move on from him. And I get it. I'm not necessarily pushing back on the notion that it it might be time. I do have some questions, though, which we'll get to. But the the, the reasons why people are saying it might be time to move on from J.B. Bickerstaff because the team is responding off of him and they're taking on his personality is the same reason why Kevin Stefanski's seat, after all the injuries we just laid out for you here, is ice cold right now. We will talk about that next. We have a jam-packed show for you. Daryl Ryder, our Browns beat reporter, will join us in about uh, 45 minutes from now, 9 o'clock, top of the hour. We'll also chat with our good friend Nick Shook. He'll join us at 10 o'clock from NFL.com. Get his perspective on the Browns and the injury situation and how far this team can go with Joe Flacco and some other things from around the NFL. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of good guests. 
We're going to have a lot of fun with it tonight. It's Spencer German. I'm with you. Eight to midnight, filling in for Jonathan Peterlin. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin right here on 92 through the fan. I think it's kind of funny, like that the whole next man up thing, when things are working out, honestly, there was actually a great line from Joe Flacco today where I, I, I th- actually, I was the one who asked him the question. I'm, I, that's not me trying to be uh, narcissistic here. Like, oh, I asked Joe Flacco a question. I, I really did ask him the question. Um, like, if he's ever been part of a season where he's dealt with this many injuries and how they keep spirits up. And he uh, he kind of said, like, maybe there had been a year where that had happened, but the difference is he doesn't know if, they had the results on the field that this team was having. So there, there's there's clearly like a togetherness about this group that is permeating through the walls of the cross-country mortgage mortgage campus that has allowed them to make it this far and be 8-5 and five and not just be, you know, stumbling and stumbling all over themselves like other teams might with all these injuries and be out of the playoff picture. So... Credit where it's due. His whole point, though, was like, you know, winning cures a lot. And it's basically, I mean, it's another cliche right along there with next man up. But the fact that they're eight and five, that makes it a lot easier in the locker room to move past an injury, a key injury, and just kind of focus on what you're doing right now. And that next man up mentality, because you don't have to worry about you know, are we out of the playoffs? At least not yet. Like it's just it's it's just the facts. Like winning is a magic eraser almost that you you forget about a lot of things. It, it's the same thing when there's off the field stuff going on. Like last year, you started hearing whispers about Jadeveon Clowney and him not him only playing on certain snaps and all these other things, and that all probably doesn't come out unless the team's losing. And once they were losing, he. Had his little conversation with with Mary Kay Cabot at his locker. Said he was taken out of context, even though it was hard to take out of context what he said word for word. And now he's not here anymore. And it's the same sort of thing. Like, there's probably stuff that we don't know about that 2020 Browns team that was going on inside the locker room, but we don't know about it because the team was winning. Clearly, the next year when Baker was hurt and they were struggling, there was the animosity between... Him, uh, Baker Mayfield, and Odell Beckham Jr. That spiraled out of control and led to him being cut and ending up on the Rams. Like when 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 you're losing, a lot of the stuff leaks out. You hear about the turmoil. You hear about the bad stuff. When you're winning, it's easy to just kind of move past it. But I like I just can't wrap my head around. It's one thing for these players to stand there and say next man up, next man up, next man up, and all of us as fans just to eat it up and be like. Yeah, you know what? Hell yeah. Next man up, baby. This Browns team, we're going to the Super Bowl and stay revved up about it every single day. But deep down, isn't it just human nature that on some level, there's got to be some like discouragement going on in that locker room? How do, how do you not get to this amount of injuries and not think to yourself like, what the hell? Like, why is this keep happening? When will it end? Like, and there's, there's got to be some level of frustration. I understand it's next man up, and yeah, you can only you can't, you can't dwell on it. But to to be at this extreme, like injuries are always going to happen. But 13 guys who are now for sure done for the season, the potential for a 14th with Grant Delpit. Which, by the way, guys, 
the team telling us that he could return at some point this season, but I'm not, I'm not listening to that anymore. We've had that now happen multiple times this year. Deshaun Watson was supposed to be a day-to-day injury. He didn't come back for as long as he could have just spent time on on the uh, the the IR and then come back afterwards. Uh, Jedrick Wills, he was supposed to make a comeback. Now he's on the IR for the rest of the season. Like, I'm, I, until I see these players that are supposedly going to make it back on the field actually make it back on the field, I'm just going to assume their season's over. So add Grant Delpit to the list, 14 players. Season's over. It's just infuriating. In a year where we spent the offseason talking about, like, what's at stake, and Andrew Barry went and revamped the defense, now you're losing Obo Okwankwo. It's just frustrating, man. Like, I... I ha- I'm venting a little bit, but it, it, it's, I don't know. I, I Listen, I can be impressed and enamored and thrilled that they continue to find ways to win and that they're 8-5 and five and still in the playoff picture and still feel discouraged by what could have been with this season. Because even if they make the playoffs and even if they win a game, like, will it be memorable? Yes. But we'll always have that wonder in the back of our mind, like, what if Nick Chubb had been healthy for that run? What if Deshaun, like, it's just going to be a whole thing of what ifs, and I hate that. We knew it was at stake this season. The Browns are very much living up to the hype, even without a lot of their key guys, and it just makes you wonder what may have happened if they could stay healthy in a year that had high stakes and high expectations. They were they were due to maybe meet those things. Now, I want to talk about Kevin Stefanski specifically really quickly, because not, not even really quickly. This is the next place I want to go. J.B. Bickerstaff. Last night, he talked a lot about the free throw discrepancy between the Cavs and the Celtics in that game. And it led to a lot of discourse on our station today, and rightfully so, about how this is kind of an excuse-making team. Now, I will attest that I think no matter what, when things are going wrong, when things don't go your way, everything will be viewed as as an excuse if you stand there, if a player comes out and says something that's critical of the refs or whoever it might be or whatever. Like, think about it. Miles Garrett just over the weekend called out the officials for not calling holding on him, which they can basically call every play on Miles Garrett, it seems like. But, like, are we sitting here saying, like, oh, he's just making excuses because he's not getting to the quarterback? Like, no, they won the game, so we don't care. So I do think that the excuses just sound maybe louder when they're losing games. And I think a lot of teams, especially around the NBA, are 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 complaining about this type of stuff. I mean, LeBron has literally made a – he has a whole lane carved out where people just say he's a big flopper and complainer and he whines about calls during games – because we have video evidence of him doing it. Like, all due respect to LeBron, he's my favorite player. I love the guy. And I think he, like, he's, he's my GOAT. But the, he's de- he definitely does that. Like, there's, there's no denying that he can complain about calls and all these different things. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's just kind of the nature of the beast. There's going to be complaining when things don't go your way or when there's, uh, when there's penalties called against you that you don't think are fair or whatever else it might be. So I'm not holding that all against them and saying they're just a bunch of complainers. That uh, have that think they have some earned some right to something, but I'm also I can also understand where that behavior is likely indicative of who your coach is. This was JB Bickerstaff last night again talking about 
the free the free throw discrepancy. I mean, it's the game. It tells the story of the game. Our guys drive, penetrate. No way we only end up with nine free throws and they shoot 26. I don't know how to explain it. You know, I'll go back, watch the tape and see the difference. But I know our guys put pressure on the paint just as well as anybody. And, you know, you can't overcome a discrepancy 26 to nine. So, again, I'll go back, take a look at it. But it's really hard to defend the free throw line. Now, this is where I also think this is a lot of what was said today is accurate because the one guy who's not really part of this Cavs culture from the startup of this whole thing is Max Struess. And he basically said, we got to attack more if we want to get the calls. But everybody else was like, yeah, we didn't get a, I don't know how the fouls aren't called against us. So I think it truly is like you hear your coach saying that, you hear your coach make that excuse, you're making it as well. And this is one of a number of reasons why people want to move on from J.B. Bickerstaff. They think that his attitude and personality has trickled down to the team and that they are sort of a, well, I mean, frankly, they are basically a an embodiment of him. If that's the reason, if that's one of the main reasons to move on from J.B. Bickerstaff, then it's also the reason why Kevin Stefanski's seat is ice cold right now, guys. Because if we're going to sit there and say, well, this Cavs team, all they do is make excuses, and that's what their coach does, so of course they're going to just follow suit, then how can we possibly not watch what's happened this season and feel like Kevin Stefanski's done everything in his power to prepare this team, get them ready, keep them motivated through all these injuries? I mean, it is it is short of a modern-day miracle that this team is 8-5 and five and that he's been at the root of it keeping keeping them focused. Like, say what you want about some of his corny and some of his corny language or speeches or whatever after games and the very robotic press conferences that he gives. He's clearly got guys bought in. If we're supposed to believe that these teams across the board in all sports are reflective of who their head coaches are and we're talking about the Cavs, being an example right in front of our faces of that exact thing, then how can we possibly still believe, and I'm, I, I think there's still people out there that do believe it, that Kevin Stefanski's on some sort of hot seat? Like, there's just no way. The guy has been brilliant this season. For this team to be 8-5, and five, given everything that they've, done, that they've, they've dealt with, is truly remarkable. I, like, I, I've run out of words to describe it. And I understand, no coach is perfect. Kevin Stefanski makes mistakes, especially as a play caller. Maybe there's people who feel he needs to give up the play calling. If that's your argument, I'm willing to hear you out on that. But to act like he's the the problem with his team or something, or that week to week he's costing the Browns games, like, guys, he's winning games with P.J. Walker, a quarterback, and his third-string safeties and running backs and whatever else, just point to a position he's probably got. He's now lost three of his top three tackles. His top three starting and backup tackles are all gone. I mean, what the hell else is the man supposed to do? So we gotta we we can't talk out of both sides of our mouths when it comes to both of these teams in town and act like, well, JB Bickerstaff, he's gotta go because this team doesn't play for him. They don't respond to him. They just take uh they take his excuse making and run with it. Well, on the flip side of that, aren't the Browns reflective of what Kevin Stefanski is uh, sort of an, it, 
giving them in terms of the tools to be successful and the motivation to be successful. I think we got to give that up. If there's anybody still left on that train, because I do think this year, Kevin Stefanski's answered a lot of those criticisms and the team being where they're at on the brink of a, of a playoff berth, if they can get a couple more games here is again, nothing short of remarkable. 216-474-9092. If you want to jump into the conversation at Spencito underscore on Twitter, if you'd like to jump in as well and find me there. There's been a lot of talk about changes to the coaching staff that could be looming this offseason for the Browns. Got to keep one guy a secret. It looks like for now, the secret is safe with us. We'll get to that coming back. We got Daryl Ryder set to join us top of the hour at 9 o'clock. Our Browns beat reporter Nick Shook at 10. It's a jam-packed show. Four hours together, 30 of it in the books. Spencer German with you, filling in for Jonathan Peterlin tonight on 92 Through the Fan. Maybe, just maybe, there's somebody out there, a defensive lineman or defensive end or whatever. See what happens. 216-474-992. Got some people who want to jump in on the conversation. I was just talking about J.B. Bickerstaff versus uh, Kevin Stefanski and just the mentality that the teams have. As we listen to J.B. Bickerstaff talk about the free throw discrepancy last night and how that seems to rub off on the way his team responds to things. I will get into a deeper dive with the Cavs later beyond the, beyond just this conversation because on some level, I I think the, the yes, the JB, should he be fired, should he not be fired conversation is warranted in that there's, there's some problems here. But on the flip side of that, did you really bring him back just to do, to get 25 games where... And I say that because that's the next the next game they play will be the twenty fifth game, but to get like not even half less than half a season where he doesn't even have his full arsenal of weapons, like what was the point of all these moves that you made and keeping JB Bickerstaff if you weren't going to see what he can do with the entire roster at his disposal? Unless you find the unless unless the organization kind of realizes now this just ain't going anywhere even when he does have the full arsenal. So we'll talk we'll talk about that more. It's a different conversation right now. We'll go to Jerry in Cleveland up first. What's up, Jerry? Wow, you just made my point, what I was going to say. I just oh, want to make one <laughs> comment and uh, two quick questions. The comment, what I was going to say is, uh, if Stefanski deserves time because he's had so many injuries, I could say the same for Bickerstaff. My only problem with Bickerstaff is I would like to see some of those younger players get a chance to play yeah I would like to know why they're not playing and question one is uh Isaiah Mobley what's going on with him and question two is how many female um coaches are there in the NBA uh none I don't you talking like head coaches obviously no head coaches no 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 um you're just, just saying like assistants period yeah did the Cavs just add one why wow. Why did I feel like there was somebody who just... Because uh... San Antonio, I know, had one, but you don't hear much about many of the others. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure... So Becky Hammond was with the Spurs. She is now... Um, she's coaching in the, the WNBA. So I know I know that she is no longer in the NBA, but I feel like there might be somebody out there that has a female coach 
what I guess what is the the overall point and whether or not female coaches are or aren't in the NBA? I was just in a conversation with somebody and I was just curious how many sports have female coaches. Mm, I got you. And I'd be curious as to the reason because um, I'm sure the players will respect who's out there if they you know know what they're doing. And the other thing is Isaiah Mobley is he playing with this team or is he in the other league? All right, I appreciate the call, Jerry. Um, yeah, th- listen, here's the thing. Isaiah Mobley is one of these two-way guys that he's going to be up sometimes, he's going to be down sometimes. You don't really know. But the funny thing about Isaiah Mobley is that I think that when we're looking for answers to things with a basketball team, I honestly feel like we point to guys further down the roster in the depth chart and just assume, like, why isn't that guy getting a shot? Maybe that... But but the truth is, I mean, I, I understand J.B. Bickerstaff's subject to a lot of criticism right now, but, like, I'm assuming that these guys know talent when they see it on some level. Like, they, they have more of an expertise of that than I do. Where they... If they, if they had reason to have Isaiah Mobley up with the the NBA team more often and play him more minutes, they would, they would know that better than anybody. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I can't sit here and say Isaiah Mobley is the problem with the Cavs right now. Now I, you can question why he's not playing Craig Porter jr. More. I think he showed some flashes of maybe being able to take on that role as the second point guard. And he hasn't, he just hasn't been able to, that JB's kind of gotten him out of the rotation more recently. I don't get it. And that's part. That's one of the other criticisms with JB Bickerstaff. But specific to just like the personality of the team, if that's what we're harping on with JB, how can we not love what Stefanski's doing with the Browns this year, given all the injuries he's had? And yeah, you can say the injury thing's an excuse, and so he gets a pass for it. But I mean, guys, frankly, like, what what else is he supposed to do? He's winning games with this roster. Uh, that guy in Cleveland. What's going on, that guy? Hey, Spencer. How's it going? Good, man. Good. You going to call on Friday, too? Am I going to get the trifecta from you on, on Friday night? Uh, Maybe. Uh, I mean, depends on how busy I am on the day. Well, hopefully you can cook up some hot takes then that uh, you can give <laughs> yeah, us for Hot Take Friday. Definitely. Man. All right, man. What you got? Um, so I just wanted to bring bring up the, you know, the whole Kevin Stefanski thing. I mean, I don't under, I mean, like, I can understand at some point why people would be complaining about him. But, I mean, you got to consider – the year that it's been for him, you know, like he's been, he's basically been winning games with like six and six and stones. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I mean, for eight five, we got like 14, 15 injured players. Or whatever. How can you, how can you complain about that? I mean, it, it, he deserves another, another year with us for sure. I, I, like, uh, that guy, I think a it. lot of it just comes from, when things aren't when when there's a when something doesn't go right like if there's like there's two losses in a row in Denver and in in, in L A and yeah like in some level you could probably blame Stefanski a little bit for the Denver loss or on some level for the Denver loss because for whatever reason he didn't want to run the football and I think that sort of cost them in that game when DTR was starting whatever um but yeah I when, can see when, that with running the ball and stuff right, like that right. I could, and, like and, we should be running the ball more and that's what sure. I said like I, he's not perfect but at, like. Is there going to be mistakes along the way? Are there going to be moments where you can point and say, well, what was Stefanski thinking on that? Yes. But it's hard for me to mm-hmm. argue that he's costing the team games this year when they're 8-5 and five and they have 14 mm-hmm. guys 
a number of those guys being starters or like key role players on the IR right now. Like I, I, yep. I I'm just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, anyways, I just I think that's yeah. pretty much all I got for you tonight. So all right. You all have right. a good night, man. Yeah, appreciate you. Thanks for the call, that guy. Let's go to Wayne. You're up next in the fan. What's up, Wayne? Oh man, good evening to you. Good evening. What you got, my friend? Um, two things. One, got a real. I'm this issue, but I've got a real issue with JB's uh, offense. He went out and he got shooters. We got guys who can penetrate, but the shooters don't move. Our offense is completely dependent on whether or not our our perimeter players can penetrate. It's more dependent on skill than putting these guys in the system and letting their skill be the additive. And so what ends up happening is if uh, Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell can't penetrate, the offense and it becomes stagnant. If they're not on the floor, then it's left up to Karis LeVert, and we're just going to do top of the key pick and rolls. Like, move these guys around. But his offense has struggled his entire time in Cleveland. And two, I think J.B., is a great guy to build the culture initially. He he's phenomenal, but he is who he is. And yeah. so now it's time for the Cavs to go to the next level. He's not that guy. And if the Cavs know it, be concerned on what they're waiting on to make the move because you're wasting these young men's time. Mm. And so um, that's 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 just my that's that's my those are my two issues with JB. And, and Kobe Altman. Like, if you know he's not going to take you to the chip, what you still got him in the, in the locker room for. So, yeah, yeah. Man. All right, Wayne. Hey, I appreciate the comment. It was a little it was a little bit of breaking up, but I got the gist of what you were saying. And I've said this all along. Like, I think sometimes there's coaches who are good for the rebuild, and then there's coaches who are good for taking you to the next level. I don't know that JB can do both. It certainly doesn't seem that way. But we're sitting here talking about Stefanski and dealing with injuries and getting through all that the way he has. Does JB deserve a little bit more time to kind of prove that? I don't know. But it's funny sort of how we talk about both these coaches because uh, we we want them both fired, but it almost feels like we want them both fired for different reasons. Like We want, we want Kevin Stefanski fired because every now and then he has a bad play call and the Browns lose a game. But we want JB Bickerstaff fired because... His game management late is constantly bad, and he doesn't have the right rotations, and he seems to have this embodiment of the team that they that trickles down to them, and they are uh, they 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 take on his personality and they make excuses. But Kevin Stefanski, like he's got his guys motivated, and winning games with all these injuries. Like the reasons Kevin Stefanski is having a great year are the things that we're using to sort of say, well, JB Bickerstaff. Like, like they're almost excuses. The the excuses that J.B. Bickerstaff is making are the things that Kevin Stefanski is winning while also um, dealing with. Does that make sense? So, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting conversation because we we love jumping to the the low hanging fruit of just fire the coach. That's the that's the move. That's the decision. That's the that's what needs to happen. And we had Greg Schwartz on last night and. He kind of gave that perspective of the big move this team could make come trade deadlines time of year is moving off from J.B. Bickerstaff. I don't see him making some massive trade. So if that's what's kind of looming here, fine, so be it. But I, I, I just think it's hard to sit there and 
talk out of both sides of our mouths, like, well, let's fire Stefanski when the, he's winning without making the excuses, but then J.B. Bickerstaff is is making the excuses for similar things that he's dealing with with his team, and we also want him gone. I think he deserves a little bit more uh, a little bit more respect than maybe what Kevin Stefanski's gotten from some people. That's all I'm trying to say. We'll get back to J.B. Bickerstaff and the Cavs. Right now, though, we need to welcome in our Browns beat reporter, Darrell Ryder. He'll be joining us coming up next. Keep it locked. It's Spencer German with you here on 92 Through the Fan.